Palm Creek Church, and we are a place where you matter. Our mission here is centered around change lives, changing lives. We believe this happens through three important relationships, intimacy with God, intentionality with family, and influence with others. God has something he wants to say specifically to you wherever you are. Our hope is that you leave encouraged and closer to him than ever before. We'd love to connect with you online at plumcreek.church or on social media to see how Plum Creek is impacting our community and what opportunities we have for you and your family to get connected. If you'd like to support the ministry we're doing here in Castle Rock, two easiest ways are through the Give tab on our website or via your mobile device by texting any dollar amount to 720-606-5563. It's a secure connection with simple instructions to get set up. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you'll enjoy this message. Uh, thank the Lord for an opportunity to be together today. Can we do that? <clears throat> and uh, as I'm getting started, I just want to thank you as well for those of you that were here last week for helping us with a little experiment. Uh, if you weren't here, you probably don't know what I'm talking about, so let me fill you in just a little bit. As we were looking into the, um, just the details of the summer and all of the crazy schedules that were going on, uh, this past week was the first time that my family was gonna get a chance to be away since all the stuff that's been happening with Josh. And, and as I looked at the topics, I really wanted to speak last week on the topic that we, were, um, that we were dealing with from our summer series on the book of James. And so we just decided that we would do an experiment. We've never done this before. And on Wednesday, a couple weeks ago, our uh, staff came in here and strategically positioned themselves around the auditorium and I spoke to a near empty room and our uh, media team and our creative team did such a great job. It was a lot of extra work for them to put that together. As a matter of fact, can we just say thank you to those guys? <clears throat> they do uh, such an amazing job uh, helping us to uh, just present well on so many different platforms. And there's a couple of things. I know it's a different experience, so thank you for being patient with us and for experimenting. It's one of the things I love about our church is that we're willing to try things. And uh, I, would just, I know there were some questions and different things that were about. Let me just clear up a couple of things. I love to stand up here and speak. If you don't know that, you haven't been around here long enough. And this is what I love to do. And so last Saturday, when I knew the service was getting ready to start, and my family and I were up in the mountains, I'm like, I want to go back. Because I love this part of what I do so much. And um, at the same time, we know that <clears throat> there are gonna be times when that would be uh, helpful to be able to have in our repertoire of things that we can do. And um, as we just continue to explore and, and have conversations with uh, mentors and, and uh, coaches, uh, they just communicate with us as our community is continuing to grow and as we process through this with our board and our team, um, as we continue to add services, 
the sustainability of preaching multiple times throughout the course of the week can be a grind. That can be very difficult. And so we want to make sure that we're, and not just for me, but for all of those that would be communicating, making sure that we're doing that well. And I know your experience is one service. Um, our experience is four. And, and uh, we're looking to possibly add some more in the fall or some other time soon. So thank you for doing that. And ultimately, we know this. God's, we don't put God in a box, do we? Last week proved that once again. There are so many ways, and our ultimate goal is to communicate the message of the gospel as effectively as possible to as many as possible. And that's part of the reason why we're getting ready to stream our services and do some of those things online. But last week, as soon as the first service was over, my phone started hitting from people just communicating to me, man, I really appreciate that message. I needed to hear that. As a matter of fact, after this message, um, last week, I got a text message from a Plum Creeker that said, bro, you have no idea. I needed this one so badly that my wife and I are staying over to the second service to watch the video again. And so thank you for those of you that have given us feedback and uh, talked to us about this a little bit this week and, and uh, just really appreciative of the opportunity to do that. Um, and uh, we, um, oh, just so you know too, there's one more time this summer that we're doing that and that's when I drop my kids off at college. Uh, again, I want to use um, that, I want to be the one that speaks that weekend and uh, the topic is important to me and so just so you know, there's one more coming. It's not gonna be a regular thing at this point in stage of the game, so <clears throat> don't worry about that, but thank you. Also, I wanna give you a quick update. This morning, a couple of our staff members are sitting in another auditorium um, listening to our top candidate for our student ministry position. And so uh, let's continue to pray, if you would, that God would provide the very, very top choice for Plum Creek and that we would discern his wisdom and um, we would hear his voice and that God would provide for us and our students in an incredible way. Well, let's jump into week six of our summer series uh, where we've been making our way through the book of James. This has been an incredible series so far. One of the things that we've invited you to do is to join us in allowing this series to be more than just your experience for an hour on the weekends, but for you to be reminded throughout the course of the week of what we've been talking about and to be prompted with uh, some uh, passages of scripture to read in advance. And over 680 people are involved with this with us already. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I would still invite you to do this. We'll be reminding you of what we um, talked about through the week and preparing you for the week ahead. If you would just text the word James to the number 40650, uh, we would love to do uh, this ongoing conversation with you throughout the week. Before I uh, share with you what I really feel led in and very excited to share with you about today, I need to tell you something that's very uh, important about this book that we're studying. <clears throat> Hopefully you've been enjoying reading it and you're being challenged by it, but I need to clear something up that I think is important, and unless we know this, we might be missing the full punch of what James is bringing to us uh, when we're reading it. And that's this, James is not giving us options. <clears throat> When he lays these principles and these truths out to us, he's not saying, hey guys, <clears throat> this is optional living. That's not what he's saying. He's saying this, if you are a Christ follower, this is how you do it. He's like, listen, my brother laid this down for me clearly and now I'm trying to help you understand as well, this is what it looks like if you're a Christ follower. And we talked about not just being hearers of the word but doers of the word. We've talked about being careful with the way that we use our words and, and we've talked about how to deal with temptation. And so I just, before we head into what I wanna talk about today too, I just wanna remind you, these are not optional things. You don't say, well, I don't know. I mean, that's kinda good, but I don't know if I wanna apply that one. If you're saying you're a Christ follower, this is, this is what we do. And so today as we head into this, 
I'm um, pretty passionate about this topic this week. And to get it started, I want to ask you a question. Who is the wisest person you know? Just think about that for a second. Can I interrupt your thought? Because I want you to know that I didn't ask you who was the smartest person you know. This is part of the problem in our culture today is that we think smart and wise are the same and they're not. If you read ancient philosophical writings at all, you will know that there was a great emphasis put on being wise, which is different than being smart. As a matter of fact, I think you can be very smart. In our culture, which is different than the culture that James was writing in, we have a pursuit of academia, right? Of degrees, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we all know you can be very, very smart and not wise. There's a big difference. You see, being wise is taking truth and applying it to your life. That's what it means to be wise. So let me ask you the question again. Who's the wisest person that you know? I've thought about that this week, and I've even asked some others their opinions. And so I'll share with you two of mine. The wisest person I know that's still living is my mom. And the reason that I tell you that is I have watched her for almost 50 years. And she knows the word of God and passionately applies it to her life. Very wise. The wisest man that I know is my mentor, Rick Dunn, that you guys have met, many of you, if you've been around a while. The depth of uh, conversation and the questions that he asks go so deep into my soul, and when we talk and I'm around him, I just want to be like Jesus. He's so wise. I wonder who is the wisest person that you know. Again, not just a smart person, because it's not just intellect, but I think more importantly, it's behavioral, right? We would probably all agree that one of the challenges that we've had in our lives is applying truth that we know. And I would venture to guess that some of the greatest challenges that you faced once you've gotten done with them and you look back maybe with some chagrin for the way that you handled a circumstance or a situation, you've thought to yourself, I wish I'd have done what I knew to do, right? Really what you're saying when you think that is, I wish that I would have been more wise. I wish I would have responded in a wise way. And then I I wonder this too, perhaps you're at a crossroads of life right now. Maybe you're at a position where you have options in front of you and you're trying to discern which way to go. This is, I'm glad you're here today. This is gonna be very helpful for you. If you have multiple options, which is gonna inevitably be part of all of our lives, you can take what we're talking about today and begin the practice of becoming more wise. And I believe that will be very, very important for you as you navigate these seasons of life where you're trying to determine and discern the direction that you're supposed to go. So young people, listen to me for a second. Today has the potential to be a gift to you that could radically change your life. The things that I'm sharing with you today, I wish that I would have known when I was young. And so if you will learn these things now, it's gonna help you, I promise it will help you, and you will live your life differently because you've applied these things. So let me read to you these verses uh, from the book of Proverbs first. By the way, this was written by the wisest man ever. And these are verses explaining the result of a life 
that is in active pursuit of the wisdom of God. And I want you to listen carefully as I'm reading these and look carefully at the upside of passionately pursuing godly wisdom. So just pay attention for a second because you've probably read this before and maybe went by it too quickly. It says this in Proverbs chapter two, he, speaking of God, holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. What? That is awesome. If you didn't read that and your heart didn't start beating just a little bit to where you were like, what? I can have all of that? Yes. See, the upside to a pursuit of of godly wisdom is unbelievable. And I'm telling you, the greatest gift that God gives us is redemptive work in our souls, that he has paid the price for our sins and that we can be in good standing with him. This is a close second, I'm telling you. And my fear is that you might not have woken up this morning going, you know what I could have, right? Lord, bring it. And if you didn't wake up with that kind of mentality this morning, my prayer this week is that tomorrow you will. That you will passionately pursue wisdom. Who doesn't want success and to be shielded and guarded and have understanding and have a pleasant soul with protection? Sign me up. So our question this weekend is how do we get this? Remember, not everyone that claims to be wise is. And you're probably thinking as we head into this, um, as you've read already, this week, if you've been following along with us in our text, that, that, that James talks about two different kinds of wisdom. So let me share those with you. It's not complicated. James chapter three, starting in verse 14, he says this, but if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. There's a lot in that that we need to unpack. But let me just ask you this question. This week, perhaps you got an email or you were in conversation with someone that was sharing, pontificating something that they had learned. And while they were sharing with you the details of whatever it was you were talking about, you kind of had one of those eyebrows raised going like, oh, come on, right? And probably the question that you would ask in this situation is, where, where did you get that information? And inevitably, in the world that you and I live in, they would say something like this, I read it on the... And you're like, yeah, right. And the next thing that would come through your mind is this, you know, we probably should consider the source because you know you can't believe everything you read on the internet. Consider the source. Now, James is saying the same thing about these different kinds of wisdom. And this wisdom that he's talking about is an interesting one. 
I want you to hear what he says about considering the source. Let's read these verses again. But if you're bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying for jealousy and selfishness, now here it comes, are not God's kind of wisdom, such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. So James is telling us that some wisdom isn't from God. And right now, that should be getting your attention. And here's my fear. Most of the time, when you and I make decisions, we're basing it on that stuff. That's not okay. Listen, if you're a leader, we're all leaders because we're called to lead ourselves. We're called to lead in the context of our families. If you have children, you're a leader. Listen, if you lead at work, this can change your career, what we're talking about today. It can take you from an average leader to a phenomenal leader. Understanding the difference between these two types of wisdom Consider the source. Well, how can you spot worldly wisdom, selfish ambition, and bitter jealousy? You think about those things and how often they're part of the decisions that we make. If you're walking in false wisdom, you by your decisions are rejecting the truth that our lives are ultimately God's and that our lives are ultimately about God's glory. And if you're not careful, what can kind of sneakily happen, which has happened to me and you too, is that life becomes about you. It becomes about getting ours. Instead of understanding that there's a completely different reason, there's a completely different plan. And here's what's even scarier, it can get to the place where you think that God is really all about you. Think about that for a second. What happens is when we think about the Lord, we apply it to this narcissistic kind of life that we live, and we think that ultimately he's about us. That it's really about my security. That really it's about my happiness. That it's about my wishes and my desires, and if I can just stay on his good graces, see, then it will all work out good for me. That's what we think. And here's what's interesting. I want you to spot this in your life, and it might sting a little bit, Today, it stung for me this week. But this is one of the reasons why I love James. It's like an MRI of your heart. It's gonna reveal some things today as we unpack this. It might be a little painful, but I wanna be better at this. Here's how you spot false wisdom. Let's break down what James said. He said, first of all, false wisdom is earthly. It's earthly. If you're taking notes, you might wanna write that down. What does it mean for your wisdom to be earthly? Here's what it means. It's only about the here and now and there's no consideration given for the eternity. So how often in your decision making as you're trying to seek godly wisdom do you have eternity in that thought process? Because you see, that's a difficult thing. We're thinking about what we see and feel and know and can touch and experience here these few years that we live on this earth. But what James says is this ungodly wisdom is earthly. It's a justification of a lifestyle, this internal negotiation, some mental gymnastics to conclude what God really wants and what God is really all about is me being happy. I wonder, where are we getting that? Where do we get that? Can I tell you where we don't get that? Do me a favor. Take your Bible, go home, and read it. 
you find the verses in here that say that God's chief and primary objective is your happiness, please come back and show me because I want to, pre that will pack this place out, right? After service last night, uh, one of our Plum Creekers came up very excitedly, loaded a YouTube video of a very famous preacher communicating what I just said there. Life is all about your happiness. Like, I was, jeez, it's like, like, get your Bible and show me where it says that. Even said, your worship isn't about God, it's about you being happy. I was like, oh my Lord, hate to stand before God on communicating that. It's not truth. So we need to understand that there is this other kind of wisdom that kind of sneakily gets its way into our hearts. Let me read to you what 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 says. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. So let me ask you, are you simply living for the here and now? Is your decision-making primarily rooted in physical pleasure, cravings that this world offers for stuff, for pride, for personal achievements, for a passion for possessions? Are your decisions primarily based on those things? If so, your decisions are not being based on a godly kind of wisdom. Or, when you're making decisions, when you process life, is there a view of eternity involved in, the, in that thought process? Here's how you spot that false wisdom. It's earthly, and then second of all, it's unspiritual. It's unspiritual. False wisdom is unspiritual. It means that you reject the voice of God, don't even acknowledge the voice of God as you're navigating through your life. It rejects the Holy Spirit's power and role in your life to guide and direct. It sees nothing of God's authority in your life. So unspiritual wisdom, listen carefully, makes its own decisions, leaving God out, sometimes intentionally and sometimes unintentionally. That should scare us a little bit. Sometimes we do that because we just don't want God involved in our decision making, and sometimes it's just because we're not even acknowledging that God would like to be part of that. But that's not where it stops. You can also spot this false wisdom not just because it's earthly and unspiritual, but finally because it's demonic. Now that's a weird word, and it feels a little creepy, right? Like, let's go to video, Ooh, right? But it's very real. A couple of weeks ago, when I talked about temptation in this series, you might remember I talked about how the enemy has a plan to steal, kill, and destroy. And then in his efforts to steal, kill, and destroy, he's going to exploit these drives that are inside of us to be um, played out in a way that is ungodly. We've all experienced that before. It's lies that are fueled by our fleshly desires. False wisdom, lies where you will believe things that are not true about the nature and the character of God, about your own personal value to the Lord, about how life should be lived and what life is really all about. Wisdom that is grounded and informed and rooted in the world's perspective will never be true wisdom. So remember, James clearly says this, though. There's two different kinds. There's a worldly wisdom and there's a godly wisdom. How can we spot godly wisdom? Well, if you read it this week, you know he communicates so clearly. It's unbelievably beautiful. Listen to what James says. He clears it up for us. 
James chapter three, verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. That's beautiful. Now listen, you don't have to be a theologian to recognize the difference between the two, do you? The contrast is staggering. It's so different. Selfish ambition and jealousness. Or pure, peace-loving, gentle, no favoritism, merciful, and sincere. They're very different kinds of wisdom. My main thought this weekend is this. You might want to write it down. True wisdom is God's wisdom. True wisdom is God's wisdom. And so, the harvest of righteousness is not just a life, please hear me, is not just a life filled with things that we shouldn't do, but a life also filled with things that we should do And the difference is your focus. What do you focus on? There's a result of doing what we're talking about today, and that's a harvest of righteousness. What does that mean? We've talked about the law of the harvest before. This is the result. The result of doing this pursuit of godly wisdom is an important one that is called a harvest of righteousness. The stakes are high, guys. So let me share with you a few things that the proverb writer says about this wisdom that we're talking about today. Proverbs chapter three, verse 13. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. If you haven't read Proverbs chapter eight, or if it's been a while since you have, it's an amazing proverb where Solomon writes as though wisdom is in the first person. It's a great proverb. Yet write it down and go back this week and read it. Proverbs chapter eight, verse 32, and so my children, again, this is wisdom speaking, listen to me for all who follow my ways are joyful. Listen to my instruction and be wise, don't ignore it. Joyful are those who listen to me, watching for me daily at my gates, waiting for me outside my home. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But, look at verse 36, but those who miss me injure themselves. <clears throat> Proverbs sixteen sixteen says this, to get wisdom is better than gold. To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. What I'm hoping is that over the last couple of minutes, there has been something that's beginning to stir inside of you where you see the, the, the wisdom and the result and the power and how high the stakes are at being a person that understands that we need to be in pursuit of godly wisdom. But the question that you should be asking now and that I've been asking this week then is, okay, I get the value of this. I want this in my life. I want this. I want this to be one of the things that marks me as different from the world around me. I want God's wisdom. Because remember, this is not conventional wisdom. This is not stuff that you intuitively just understand. This is different because there's many times when you're seeking God's wisdom that he'll share something with you and you're like, I don't know. And God's like, trust me, trust me. 
So how are we gonna get it? Are you ready? Get your phone, get your pen. I want you to write these down and I want it to start this week. I want it to start today. <clears throat> so, this wisdom is incredible. How are we gonna get it? To get wisdom, you gotta do a few things. The first thing you gotta do, look at me, you got to want it. You gotta want it. Just like I said earlier, when you wake up in the morning, you gotta say, all right, look, without your help, I'm highly likely to screw this up. I'm not that smart, and I know, God, that you have power to impart wisdom to me that will blow my mind. And I have lots of decisions to make today, and I, God, I just want you to know, I want it. Now listen to me, parents, how awesome would it be if your kid came downstairs and first thing in the morning said, mom and dad, will you sit down? Look, I'm young. I don't know what I'm doing a lot of the time. You have a lot more experience than I do. I want to start this day on the right foot. Give me some wisdom. <laughs> right? Is that how it works in your house? Can I tell you that I've spent my entire career as a parent trying to figure out how to finagle wisdom into the souls of my children? And so often I'm like, well, you just listen. You know how many times I've said this? What do you think is my motive? And I've said it just like that. Like, seriously, why would I care about this? Tell me why this is so important. Listen to me. I love you. And I don't want you to screw up your life. And I know what I'm talking about here, right? Have you ever thought that, parents? Will you please listen to what I'm saying? I'm saving you pain. I'm saving you consequences that you don't want to have that I don't want you to have. Please listen to me, right? Hey, listen. As obstinate as our children can be from taking the wisdom that we're trying to impart on them, you are with our heavenly father who's a daddy that wants to give you wisdom. So what if we started doing this different today? What if first thing tomorrow you said, Lord, I know you love me. I want what you want to give to me. Will you please help me posture my heart and my ears to hear your voice? I need your wisdom in my life. You have to have a passion for it. You have to prioritize your life around this. Proverbs 4.8 says this, if you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her and she will honor you. Don't miss the depths of the words that Solomon uses here. Prize, what does that mean? An intense desire. I want this badly. To embrace someone is, a, is an expression of love. We must see this wisdom as extremely valuable and pursue it with our lives. To get wisdom, you've gotta want it. Number two, it's not enough to just want it. Number two, you gotta ask for it. You gotta ask for it. You gotta wake up in the morning praying that prayer, asking God to help you. When you walk into a big meeting at work, you pray, God, will you please help me? Let me, let me? let me give you a hint. If you've been around for a while, you've heard me talk about this. I'm so passionate about this. You back up a few chapters to James chapter one and look at verse five. It is like my life verse. It is something that I have utilized and prayed for, for decades now. James chapter one, verse five. Listen to what James said. If any of you lacks wisdom, that's me, right? Your hand should be up too, yep, yep. That's me, I can always use a little more wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, what do we do? You should 
ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. This should be a passionate, regular priority in your daily life, in your constant daily prayer. Here's how it goes. It's simple. God, James 1.5 me. That's it. Start praying that prayer. God, James 1.5 me. I got all kinds of little prayers that I pray that are just verses that I've memorized over the years and this is easier for me to say, Lord, I'm going into a meeting. I'm gonna meet today, it's a big one. I need your help. I'm going to screw it up if I don't have your help. James 1.5 me. Have a conversation with someone. You're going to discipline your children. You've got an interview. If you're walking into a big meeting at work, if you're talking with a potential client and you're wanting to put the best foot forward, James 1.5 me, God. Help me to see what I don't see. Help me to hear your voice. Give me your wisdom. Remember, this is not conventional wisdom. This is not practical experience wisdom. This is godly wisdom that he so desperately wants to give to his children. You've got to want it and you've got to ask for it. We must pray. To get wisdom, you've got to also do this. Number three, write it down. You've got to live selfless. You've got to live selfless. Let's go back to the worldly wisdom for a second. We've read it a few times, James chapter three, verse 14. But if you are bitterly, what does it say? Jealous, and if there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Now, this is a big one because you see, we don't live selflessly. The culture around us is communicating all the time, so much so that it's worked its way into our life. And we just by default almost live selfishly. This is a narcissistic world that we live in, so how do we break that? How do we intentionally move into a season where we're not gonna live selfishly? We've done these kinds of things before, but I'm gonna give you an assignment this week. We put these little cards on your chairs. I want you to grab one of those and I want you to take it home with you. And I want you to pray for an opportunity this week to live selflessly. And I don't know what that will look like. Uh, maybe you'll be a blessing to someone in the line ahead of you or behind you in, in the, in the you know, Starbucks line. Or maybe you're gonna... Um, be kind, pay for somebody's groceries, or maybe you're gonna care for a neighbor, or maybe you're gonna, you know someone that has a need, you're gonna do your best to be able to help them. Maybe you're just gonna write a note and be an encouragement. Think of a creative way that you can live selflessly. Don't make life all about you. And then, if, it, if the opportunity when you do this presents itself well, will you just say this? Hey, I'm kind of on assignment to learn not to live selfishly all the time. And I really felt in my heart like the Lord was wanting me to do this for you. And so I'm gonna give you this little card. This is my assignment. And can I pray with you right now? And if, the, um, if that's like not the right you know, opportunity for that, if that's not the right way in that moment to do that, just make sure that you pause after you've done it and, and you get back to your desk at work or wherever it is, then you just make sure that you pray for that person. Think about what it looks like to live selflessly. Don't just think about it. This week, I want you to do it. We've got to break this because it's so often a part of our lives. I'm calling on Plum Creek to a full assault on these things this week. We've got to kick selfishness in the teeth. Beat it down, push it back. Don't make life all 
about you. Want it, ask for it, live selfless, and then listen, you gotta know the word of God. You've gotta know the word of God. Since wisdom is found in the word of God, we must commit ourselves to the study and the meditation on the word. Psalm 19.7 says this, the instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. That's you and me. That's what dad wants to do. We have to be passionate about these things. There's a lot on the line. The stakes are high. You need God's wisdom in your life. So not only do you need to know the word, but finally, we've talked about this briefly before, you need to think eternity. Think eternity. True wisdom is rooted in eternity. True wisdom is grounded in an eternal, an eternal perspective. Again, this does not happen naturally. It will not happen inadvertently. True wisdom is driven by the focus that one day I will stand before the Lord and be held accountable for my life. I will have to give account for my life. I will have to give an account for all I've done with what God has given me, and I will have to give an account for how I leaned into the purposes that God had for my life doing what he's called me to do. And you know, guys, listen, we don't really talk about that. But we're going to. In a couple of months, I'm gonna do a whole series on this. We're gonna talk about what it's gonna look like the day that we stand before the Lord and what we will be held accountable for. And it's highly possible it's not what you think. To get this kind of wisdom, we gotta want it, we gotta ask for it, we gotta live selfless, we need to know the word, and we need to think eternity. Not common sense, divine sense. And it is very, very different. Will you bow your heads for just a moment? <clears throat>